0: Welcome back to the Weekly Pass. I'm Bonnie Jill Laughlin, and I'm with my co-host Adam Copeland, which we call him Copes. Copes, welcome back.
1: Hi, it's good to be back. Uh, I'm fired up because we we did this last week. We talked to Warren Moon. Uh, it was nice to get the uh, the dust knocked off of some of the football. We did some baseball talk with some pitchers, and we'll get some more as we get closer to the uh, the postseason in the MLB. But I think everybody's got football on the brain right
0: now. Oh, definitely. We're in baseball season, but football, I mean, nothing like, you know, even if it's preseason ball, you're in football season, and it's exciting to see some of these new guys who were drafted. And, you know, talking to some of these guys who actually make these, you know, the receivers and the quarterbacks, you know, there's, you know, people forget about the offensive line and defensive line and secondary and positions that sometimes people don't talk about as much. And that kind of is like what's going on with our next guest.
1: Well, it's sort of like the it's sort of like the insurance you get, right? Like you go out, you get a quarterback, you get a good running back or, or you buy a house. What's the first mm-hmm. thing you do? You put homeowners insurance on it. Get yourself a good quarterback. You got to get yourself an offensive line. Create the holes. We've seen the success the Cowboys have had over the last five or so years Mm -hmm. with that offensive line. It's all the
0: O-line. You think about, like, when Troy Aikman went in, what was the first thing he said? I got to thank my O-line. Larry Allen. Like, you you know, you start mentioning the O-line guys, and some of us, you know, kind of forget, but they're the ones that make these guys successful. You know, Sandra Bullock
1: in the blind side tried to make us uh, pay attention (laughs) to the offensive line, but uh, it's an important thing to have, and and you can look at at the success of a running game or a passing game, and a lot of times, it's directly associated with the offensive line. So I'm thrilled to talk to our next guest.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited. So I guess we welcome in. I know he's going to... I uh, was struggling trying to get us in because he's shopping with his wife.
1: <laughs> Actually, hey, man, you got so, you, happy wife, happy life. But you good, do what if you it's doing. good, we
0: have him shopping, you know, it makes a kind of difference. So, we're going to welcome our next guest, Jackie Slater. He played 20 seasons in over 250 games in the NFL. At the time he retired, he played more games on the O line than any player in history five-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Pro Bowler, a member of the 2001 Hall of Fame class, longtime L.A. Ram, Jackie Slater. Welcome to the Weekly Pass.
2: Glad I could be here, guys.
0: (laughs) You did it all for an offensive lineman. You did so much, and you had such a long career, Jackie. What was the secret to that?
2: Well, you know, I was just really, really blessed. Uh, I was blessed in a lot of ways. I was blessed with uh, the physical ability to do the job and just – a developing mental tenacity that you have to have to compete at that level with those type of athletes. So I consider myself very, very fortunate.
1: Well, offensive line is, is kind of an art form, right? I mean, you go and you buy a house, first thing you got to do is you get insurance. You go get a big quarterback, you better go get yourself a tackle or a guard who can protect him there on the O-line. Is that kind of how you viewed yourself as an O-lineman?
2: Uh, yes. You know, I spent the better part of my career as a rank-and-file support role player and uh, – you know, it was wasn't that glamorous, but uh, you know, it's something you get to take a lot of pride in, because uh, you know, no no football team is going to be successful unless the big guys do do their jobs. And so, I grew to take a lot of pride in it, and I worked with a lot of men who did the same, and it just made for a great environment uh, at Los Angeles with the Rams. You know, we had we had a string of maybe you know twenty one years, or at least one of our guys going to the to Pro Bowl. so there was a lot of great players around
1: and, and you're currently coaching the offensive line at Azusa Pacific and I, and I wonder which kind of players you see coming in because it used to be like the defensive line guys or the defensive tackle guys were these big six foot 350 pound dudes and now it's kind of like you got to be a, a stretch power forward or a center like in the NBA you got to be tall but you've got to be rangy and long and able to get to the outside and play inside is that a problem you feel like for, for offensive linemen today
2: uh, I think that uh, now more than any other time, you need to be a rangy guy. You need to have long limbs. You need to have good height, uh, particularly at the tackle spot, because the defender's defensive ends are, are so long and rangy. Uh, I think inside you still have to have a major amount of height and range, more so than, than years gone past, because the defenders there are bigger and heavier guys. Think of Akeem Hicks with the Chicago Bears. He's about 6'5", and he weighs 332. So, You line him up against a guy that's traditionally a 6'2", 300-pound guy, then he's going to struggle just from the range perspective alone. So what you're seeing is a taller, bigger, more agile athlete playing in the offensive line all the way across.
0: Now, Jack, you played obviously with Eric Dickerson. Talk about your relationship with E.D. and uh, the good things that you guys were able to accomplish um, with the Rams.
2: Well, I mean, I was there in my eighth year when he came, and uh, he was a very talented guy, and I recognized that right away. I hadn't played with a talented running back before, and I knew uh, that if they, those guys have success, then you're going to have success. I played with Walter Payton for three years in college and you know, got drafted because of my efforts supporting him. and. And with Eric Dickinson, it was kind of the same thing. You know, he, he had a lot of success early in his career. We had a veteran offensive line. I was playing at a high level, and I, my Pro Bowls started. You know, as he started to take off. So it was a it was a unique opportunity for me to have Duke, to be able to duplicate playing with a great running back. You know. As I had done with Walter Payton, but Eric, you know, he was he was off the charts
1: athletically
2: <laughs> better than just about everybody else.
1: You said something interesting there that you got seen because you were blocking at Jackson State for Walter Payton. Yeah. Who, who helps? Who, who makes who famous? Man, is it the O line does it for the running back, or running back helps out the O lineman?
2: Well, I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. I don't. I don't think very many people remember my name, but a lot of people remember Walter Payton and Eric Dickerson's name. I don't, both those guys are very humble and very respectful, but uh, I don't think that I don't think the fans view it the same way as uh, as they do. You know, they 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 look at the dynamic athlete running with the football, making people miss, running over guys, and using the speed and quickness, and they get enamored with that as opposed to uh, the fact that somebody has to punch somebody in the mouth at the line of scrimmage <laughs> to get him to get him in the secondary. So. You know, it's one of those thankless jobs that you go about doing, and I I was just very fortunate and honored that uh, people were watching, and uh, that I got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
1: Hey, man, we can tell how humble you are just coming through on this uh, this interview here. You know, I I just wonder, for a guy like you, uh, you're blocking for a couple of these other Hall of Famers, and you say it yourself, you're a Hall of Fame offensive lineman. Uh, was there a, a type of runner you liked blocking for more that you felt benefited you a little bit more? Did Walter Payton and Eric Dickerson run the same in your mind, or were there different things you had to do to benefit each guy?
2: Well, I think the thing that uh, I noticed more than anything else about the great backs, the really good backs that I play with, is they, they first of all, want the ball. Uh, they want the ball. They want the ball in their hands when it matters, and uh, Walter and Eric were the supreme Talents when it came to that. They both wanted, to, <laughs> they had to have the ball. And uh, I think the coaches knew it and they made sure that they fed him the ball. Um, the other thing about them is that they both possessed a unique uh, physical talent that uh, few around them at that ha- at that particular time possessed. Uh, Eric Dickinson was uh, an outstandingly uh, rangy guy, you know, tall, long leg, and very, very fast and he could play with his pants real low. That's what separated him. <laughs> now, Walter, Walter was a guy that was explosive and powerful, extremely quick, with good speed. And, and and both of those type of runners is, I think, prototype. You really have to get, you know, one guy that can do everything. And, and I don't think either one of those guys could do everything, but they were just so unique in what their strengths were that they just separated themselves from everybody else.
0: Now, Jackie, you know, one of the quotes I love that you said with my overall goal was to become the best offensive tackle in the history of the game. And that's what I focused on. I isolated myself completely. I was out here on a mission and chose to keep my world as small as I could. I was consumed by work. Who in the NFL right now can you relate to or current player that kind of reminds you of yourself?
2: Well, I mean, you look at all of these guys that are going into the Hall of Fame, you know, all of these guys, uh, they have to have some measure of that, you know, and, uh, you know, you see, you look at a guy like uh, you look at a guy like uh, Tom Brady. I mean, uh, the guy seems to be consumed with um, uh, having a career, Olympic a career, and making things happen. And so, I I I I, I don't believe that you just play till you get to be 40 years old by just going through the motions. And I think there's a measurable amount of um, consistency that has to exist. There's a measurable amount of. Uh, uh, that you have to have to have these goals and to reach out for these goals. So, you know, I can't really say, you know, that these guys think the way I think because a lot of the people that I played with thought that I was a bit abnormal in the way I thought and how I was consumed with, with the thought of being special. So I can't really say that if, that these guys are that way, but there's something that's different about them, uh, the, the great ones, that, that gives them an opportunity to consistently perform, uh, at a high level in games,
1: well, it's a combination of hard work and determination, as well as the skill set. uh And I'd imagine you got to be a little bit fearless standing back there, especially in the '80s, man. When you were playing, who's the guy you didn't want to see coming through that hole at you? Did you not want to see it? Was it like a Jack Lambert? Was it a, a Lawrence Taylor or Howie Long? Who's the guy that gave you the biggest fits?
2: Well, I think uh, first of all, I learned to answer that question by saying it depends on what our game plan was. Yeah, we were okay. Gonna- if we were going to run the ball, I didn't want to deal with the big defensive linemen that were playing with the New York Giants because they were great two gappers. And Eric Swan over there had been uh, running in my career over at Arizona. But if I had to put my finger on one guy that I didn't want to, that I wouldn't want to have to deal with on a consistent basis, it would be Reggie White. And it was primarily because he wasn't just fast like uh, uh, like Mark Gastineau or. or or rangy like Ed Tuttle Jones, uh, or explosive like Howie. He was all of that. (laughs) Just a a bundle of power and a bundle of energy that was very difficult to manage. And so, um, you know, uh, every aspect of the game uh, had to be on top of it to block Reggie White. Inside zone to me, outside zone to me, inside zone, outside zone away, counters at him. You know, in fact, uh, as I think about it, if we had to measure in one particular area of the running game or one particular area of the passing game, you know, like the three-step or five-step or seven-step drop, yeah. if we measured in any one area of those, I was going to get dominated by a guy like Reggie White. And the thing that the coaches did that helped against a guy like him was gave me the opportunity to serve up a variety of of uh, things that I presented to him, he had to, he had, to, you know, defend so many different things, and and that was what gave me in many cases opportunity to block some of these special guys, and I and I lobbied for the opportunity to to have that kind of versatility served up too.
1: Well, for what it's worth, I don't think Reggie just gave you problems; I think he gave the entire NFL problems.
2: <laughs> oh, no, without doubt.
0: Now, Jackie, your son Matthew Slater—he plays for the Patriots—and I read somewhere that you guys um, always, when there's the coin toss, you guys always pick heads. What's the story behind that?
2: Well, I, I back in the '90s, I got on a little streak where I was losing every coin toss, and uh, and Matthew finally asked me, said, "Dad, why, why are you? You know, they say you're calling heads every time. Why are you doing that? You're losing. You know, it's getting to be a bit embarrassing." Well, I told him, I said, Matthew, the reason why I do that is because it gives me a personal opportunity to honor my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and acknowledge him as the head of my life. That's the reason why I do it. And I hadn't had any conversation with anybody about that. And then Matthew starts making the head call here in some critical situations and mm-hmm. games, and he shared that with the public. And so that's how it kind of got out. And so after I shared that with him, he wasn't so... So, uh, didn't have so many problems with the fact that I was, you know, they had odds over in Vegas that that I was going to lose every coin. Every so it didn't bother him. It didn't bother him so much once he found out why I was doing
1: it. That's that's a pretty good reason. Uh, we're we're in the middle of training camp right now. We're getting going with uh, with NFL preseason. This is a time that kind of gets you salivate and you start getting excited for the game coming back.
2: Oh yeah, this this football season and you know my first two or three years out of the game, uh, I would get a little anxious uh, about this time of year. You know, my hair would start standing up on my neck, and I felt like I didn't, you know, it was just the juices would start flowing because it was time to play football. And so, um, you know, that was something that um, that was intense early when i retired and and it still is with me but not quite as intense because i know my body can't handle the rigors of it so and, <laughs> but i look forward to it i, I can imagine what's going uh, on with the guys i can smell the grass uh, i can i can i can sense the tension i can i'm aware of the competition i know what the coaches are thinking how they're deciding on players and and, uh, you know, the only thing that concerns me a bit is that many of the players who play the physical positions because they're limited with the number of physical practices that they can have, they really don't get to show, you know, all of their capabilities. I, I don't know how good I would have been if I was not allowed to practice in pads twice a day, four days a week to show the, the coaches that I could be as physical or if not more so and as and, and, and as as. And have as much endurance as they would ever imagine you need it. And sometimes I think as an offensive lineman, you need to exercise the technique that you're going to use in a game. Uh, so you can be good in the game. But as to me, it seems like the practices are limited and, and the guys who have to use a lot of skill don't get to work on those skills in practice. So
1: That's an interesting point. I'd, I'd never thought about it from the other side of it, where a player who maybe is trying to make the team or trying to show what he can do needs a little bit more reps or, or a little more opportunity to showcase himself than a guy who you're going off of his resume from the draft, maybe.
2: Exactly. you you, you got to be able to... I mean, it would be easier on a guy that's already been there. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just getting it they, they can only look at the film from college and and they they hope that it's going to translate to the pros, but it doesn't. That remains to be seen until you put the pads on and and go sixty snaps against you know the top tier talent.
1: Hey, before we let you go, Jack, I want to ask you about the Rams? Being that you're down there and uh, and they're one of the hottest teams on the planet, coming off of the uh, the NFC Championship and then kind of floundering in the Super Bowl. Uh, how do you see them coming back this year? The the running game in question, of course, the defense phenomenal. Sean McVay's play calling. Yet yeah, any thoughts on the LA Rams?
2: Well, I think they're, they're a good football team, and, and uh, you know, their offensive line was ranked the very top in, in, in overall efficiency, in both running pass blocking a year ago, and I think that contributed to their success. They lost two of those veteran guys um, to retirement and, and free agency, and they're going to have to replace them with some guys that haven't played a lot. So... Um, that's going to be interesting to watch, uh, the development of the young quarterback, Jared Goff. I think, you know, he and the head coach would probably admit that they they probably could have played better in the Super Bowl. It's going to be interesting to watch, you know, their continued growth and development. And then also knowing that he has, for the first time in his career, the same core group of receivers yeah. coming back. That continuity should contribute to his young uh, career and growth and the development that we're looking for there. On the other side of the ball, you know, they've, they've, they've lost uh, Ndamukong Uh Not that, you know, um, he was that dynamic uh, through most of the season, uh, but uh, how they uh, shore up the run. You know, uh, Seattle ran for almost 500 yards against them in two games last year. And, uh, and D.J. Fluker was uh, talking about um, – you know them being pass rushers and not run defenders, so I think they went out and tried to draft some people that could shore up the run. I think Wade sort of schematically knows how to put guys in position so they can be successful. So that that's going to be interesting to watch, and and uh, their back end is solid with the corners. The keys leave. Uh, and Peters back there. And then they, they brought in some some other veteran ball players and Matthews at the linebacker spot. So they should be a, very, a smarter football team on the defensive side of the ball and more capable of diversity. You know, the smarter and more experienced guys are, the more things you can do. And so it's going to be fun watching. And, and I, me, like everybody else in Los Angeles, I full well suspect that they're going to be in contention with this outfit for a long time.
0: Well, you heard it from one of the best. Thank you so much, Jackie, for joining us. I know you had a busy day. You're shopping and stuff with your wife. So we appreciate your time, and hopefully we'll have you back again to talk some football.
2: All right, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Thank Jackie. you, Jackie.
0: Good stuff from Jackie Slater. Like you said, you know, it's nice to talk to these O-line guys, defensive line guys that don't get all the attention, but look at the longevity of these players, Copes.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty incredible that a guy like that – I mean, back then they they played through an insane number of injuries – They didn't have the cryotherapy like we're seeing with Antonio Brown today. No blisters on the feet. Maybe a better thing that they didn't (laughs) have that. But, no, you're right. I mean, these guys do the work in the trenches. It's why they get themselves a a big dinner from the quarterback at the end of the year, right, when you have a successful season. And I
0: like how humble he is. You know, most of these guys are humble. They say they really don't want the cred. That's why they're on the O-line to protect the quarterback, and they're good with it.
1: Something to be said about a guy who's up there just blocking every day for another guy. You know what I mean? It's it's incredible. Over 250 games, you said that at the start of the interview. Uh, A Hall of Famer and and, uh, one of the best all-time in
0: 20 season. I mean, we're looking like the Tom Brady's and such, but there's not, not that longevity at that position. It's incredible. It's okay. we're good. So next week we'll be back talking football. And again, thank you for joining us on the weekly path. I'm Bonnie Jill Afflin, and this is Adam Copeland. We'll talk to you next week.